The Business Buzz Podcast. The, the Business Buzz. Good day and welcome to the Business Buzz for your weekly dose of business finance and economics news right here on Voice of Vits. Uh, that's about FM 88.1. We're broadcasting live from our studios in Bromfontein, Johannesburg. My name is Mdiwa Mob, Justice Gavaz, and I'll be your host for the next hour or so. Now, who's to say that the world of business can't be entertaining? Definitely make sure you hold on to your seats as we seek to unpack and keep you entertained, educated, and intrigued about the world of business. Now, the country is still facing a uh, pandemic in the form of COVID-19 and the following uh, lockdown regulations, though we are moving to the third level of that lockdown as from the 1st of June, that should be next week, Monday, and most companies will start operating and a quarter of employees are expected to report to work. Now, it's been estimated that more than a third of South African businesses plan to cut and restructure businesses, uh, their jobs uh, due to the global pandemic and then unfortunately coupled with that is the fact that there are a lot of employees that have not been receiving their salaries during the lockdown period so for today we are continuing with the conversation that we started last week around uh, the unemployment insurance fund or uif now uh, together with their covid19 tours uh, benefit which the government has come up with as a way to supplement incomes um, during this time so for today we're going to be getting an employer and a trade union perspective on the matter uh, to continue that conversation and to help us understand pack the topic we're going to be talking to uh, robert lee who is the head uh, of the labor work stream uh, that is at uh, business for south africa which is a federation of uh, organizations that includes uh, the black business council and business unity sa um, he also serves as the chairman of a law firm um, that is bowman's law and we're also going to be talking to pakamile Hlubi majola who is a spokesperson for the national Union of Metal Workers in of South Africa, and they're going to be t- telling us both about the UIF uh, from a business and that uh, labor union's point of view. Also coming up in the next hour, we're going to be giving you the business wrap. Um, that's the part of the show. We'll give you a roundup of the week's top trending business economics news. And uh, for the first time during the lockdown, we're going to be having our financial expert uh, financial advisors and Kunene joining us and then on the other side of that we'll give you our business uh, uh, the business of your 100 rand in our buffalo index so remember that you can keep in touch with us you can find us online we are Voice of Vids, that is VowFM 88.1 on Facebook. You can also find our other Facebook page, that is the Vids Radio Academy. And then on Twitter, we're at VowFM, and then our hashtag is hashtag Business Buzz. Remember that you can also stream the station live on VowFM.co.za, and podcasts of the Business Buzz show are available on vids.journalism.co.za forward slash business. Uh, but for those that want to, you know, go about with their own apps, you can find us on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. So that's how the show is looking like. Definitely make sure you don't turn that down. We're here for the next hour. Keep it locked. This is the Business Buzz. Business Wrap with Zanele Kunene.
It's time for us to get into the business wrap. That's a part of the show where we give you a roundup of the week's top trending business and economics news. And on the line, we are joined by a financial advisor at BDO Wealth Advisors. That is um, Zanele Kunene. Uh, we haven't heard from her, you know, since we started doing um, the shows during this lockdown period. Zanele, are you well? Are you alive? How are things? You know, have you been coping? Hi, Mudiwa. I've been doing well, you know, washing my hands, keeping safe. Um, and so much has happened in the past few weeks, um, considering the lockdown and how it's impacted all of our lives. Um, but today I'd like us to focus on the interest rate cuts um, for the reason that 60 to 70 percent of South Africans earn less than 6,000 rand and about 14 percent of the adult population fall under the middle class um, category. But both of these groups are reliant on debt. And what we've seen is that COVID has pushed both of these groups to become more reliant on debt. And this is because, you know, some businesses have closed down, increased retrenchments, and so the like. So we're seeing a higher reliance on debt. And that, ex- and that explains why there's been such an aggressive cut with regard to interest rate cuts. It's to help both of these groups survive in such a time. But I've also been thinking that without debt, do we actually have a middle class? Does it, does it exist? But that's a conversation for another day. Um, but let's get back to the interest rate cuts. So what they also show us is the outlook or the growth outlook of the country. Now, if we look at South Africa, having come from a recession, um, our budget in itself was not put together to generate, uh, in, to generate growth. It was our budget for this year was to stabilize the economy. So it also does not assist in growing. Um, uh, helping us with the growth of the country. We also are looking at a slower global growth as well. So all the slowdown, what, what, what it means for you and me is that business profits go down, more unemployment, um, and just less, um, less consumer activity, like less spending, um, less spending because we'd have less money to do so. And the problem then is that if we are, we're quite a lot of issues within our country if you're looking at our unemployment rate. So it's a grim outlook, you know, as to what, what what to expect in the future. But what we tell our clients at BDO and what we what we what I'm going to be saying to you is also that we cannot control what happens in the future and all the uncertainties and stuff like that. But what we can do is we can review um, our finances. Always focus on the things that you can control. So if you look at Warren Ingram's approach to um, getting our finances in order, his step one is to first of all pay off all debt. Now the interest rate cuts have helped us within this sense because if you have a 20-year bond, um, you could be paying it off in 17 years or 16 years if you keep your payments as are now, that you don't take the interest rate cut, meaning you continue paying um, what you were paying all these months so that you shorten the time period um, of your of your payments. So it is a great time for you to reach out to your credit facilities and to discuss a payment plan so that you're able to, you know, get rid of that debt sooner. The second step that Warren shares is that build an emergency fund. An emergency fund is made up of four to six months worth of your household expenses. So that does mean that more involvement 
um, is required from the whole family with regard to the household finances and especially if you are one of uh, many of us who have black tax over our shoulders so it's the best time for us now to have the conversation with our family and the third thing that he shares with us is that um, investing then you can only invest but invest consistently. Investment is not a six-month thing or seven-month thing or I'm having a good day or bad day. No, investment needs you to be consistent and also to have an objective as to what it is you're trying to reach. With all these policies and all these contracts you're opening, what was the objective for it and when is it that you need the fund? So if you've already paid off your debt, you have your emergency savings, your investments would be able to grow without being impacted by any movement. Um, in your life so you will not be grabbing from the investments during a lockdown if you understand what i mean um one of the interesting things that i found in closing was that south korea have also um, implemented um, interest rate cuts so as other countries but they've implemented those cuts because um, they are now facing a second wave of coronavirus infections so south africa you know we are still finding our rhythm as to um, testing and as to where we stand with regard to Corona. Um, so for us, we do not know how the future is going to look. But as I said, focus on what you can control, and that is to review your finances and to build yourself um, within that, within within those boundaries, and get your finances in order. Um, Zanele, just as a follow-up to you know what you've just said, uh, you know I definitely agree with you that. Um, the interest rate cuts have been quite aggressive and especially when you think about the indebtedness of um, people in South Africa, it certainly does make sense that um, from the Reserve Bank's point of view, you are putting, you're, you're relieving, you know, consumers on one end and possibly um, spurring um, some type of uh, spending on the other but do you anticipate that they have sort of reached their limit in terms of cuts now? Or do you think they can, you know, perhaps go down a bit further, maybe even touching these 0% rates that we're seeing in the U.S.? Um, I read that we are as low as we were, the interest rates are as low as they were in 1973. So we have reached the lowest <laughs> um, um, interest rates for South Africa. And I believe that government is going to have to look at other measures in terms of how to rescue um, South Africa or how to safeguard us. Because cutting interest rates cannot be our only response to um, safeguarding people. Um, so in terms of um, how the Reserve Bank would go about doing so, I have no idea if they're going to be cutting the interest rates further, but it is a possibility unless government finds other ways in terms other ways of, you know, safeguarding us. That's actually quite scary when you think about the fact that that's the lowest since the 1970s. I did not know that. And now that I'm thinking about it, the magnitude is uh, is quite something. But on the last point, um, you know, I'm sure there are a lot of our listeners uh um, that may have listened in the past and know that you are, you know, dealing a lot with, uh, you know, people's personal finances. Um, any advice for people that are sitting there right now, um, going through the crisis and wondering, you know, um, how do I may, how do I stretch my money during this time? It always 
always starts with number one step, which is budget. And I think people underestimate how important a budget is. A budget tells you if you are making a profit in your life. Like, are you making a profit at all? And what we find is that quite a lot of people are operating at a loss, but they don't look like it because of credit you know they're using credit to mask that so once you put together a budget and be very honest with yourself go through your bank your bank statements thoroughly like have a a, a, a good framework as to where it is you're currently standing then look in terms of where it is you could be more resourceful more flexible um put those cuts in place and very important also have the conversation with your family if you have a partner or a spouse speak to them in terms of what's happening within the finances. Um, if you're supporting your family um, back home or um, you're supporting extended family as well, have that conversation with them in terms of where it is you're currently standing so that you could be financially healthy as well. Because if you're not financially healthy and you're the breadwinner, everyone else is also not going to be. So it's no use in you placing yourself in an uncomfortable position. So you've heard it right there. That was us with Zaneli Kunene, uh, financial advisor at BDO Wealth Advisors, just giving us a roundup of the week's uh, uh, business and economics news. She was focusing a lot just around uh, interest rates and uh, some of the reasons why the Reserve Bank has, uh, you know, likely cut the rates so low and especially focusing on how indebted South Africans are and how, you know, this time might be a crunch time for them. Also, just ending off uh, by giving some tips around uh, um, how to stretch your money and one of the things i like uh, she said you just need to be honest with yourself um, have a budget in place but more than anything else uh, just be honest with yourself about you know what's coming in and what's going out and have those important conversations uh, with your family so that's been it in terms of uh, the business wrap on the other side of this we get into the buffalo index business wrap with zanele kunene The Buffalo Index on the Business Buzz. It's time for us to tell you the state of your 100 Rand in our Buffalo Index. Uh, that's the part of the show where we'd like to let you know what your 100 Rand can do for you today. Now, as from uh, Monday onwards, one of the things we've spoken about a little bit during uh, the lockdown period has been this ban on alcohol and cigarette sales. And because we're moving to level three, a lot of people are going to be excited because uh, the sale of alcohol will be permitted. So I decided to go online and just check to see what what can we do to help people you know because if the pictures out of countries like india where they eased up restrictions and uh, there were queues um, that went for kilometers long of people trying to buy um, their alcohol is anything to go by then one or two people may find themselves outside of a bottle or liquor store uh, for some time so to help you to aid you during this time perhaps Perhaps it might be a good idea to pick up uh, one of those simple party chairs uh, that you see at venues all the time. Your buffalo can get you one of those very easily for 89 Rand. Uh, but if you want to go you know, a little bit more posh, you can get yourself a fancy camping chair. And these uh, usually start uh, for about two and a half buffaloes, so about uh, 
270 rand can get you in uh, to one of those uh, camping chairs that nicely folds up and you can uh, take it with you in a nice bag and it has uh, the little pouch uh, where you can have a bottle or some water or something and speaking of that bottle or something if you want an added an addis uh, bottle it's a it's a common brand that we use um, out there you can actually get two water bottles for your buffalo uh, because each one is about 49 rand um, if you want to keep yourself hydrated but otherwise if you want to go hardcore you can get yourself a 2.2 liter water bottle for a straight buffalo that's 100 rand and then at the same time because you know you've found a good spot in the queue just before the the the, the bottle store opens you're probably going to be there for some time so you're sitting there now you've got your water or whatever you're drinking it's in the nice pouch in the chair but you might also be listening to music or keeping yourself entertained somehow so if you want to be listening to music you can get yourself a pair of in-ear headsets uh, that uh, you know i think they're starting at around the 30 rand so it means your buffalo can get you three of those uh, for that one buffalo and if you want to go a bit fancier than that and get yourself some AirPod-style earbuds, these are the completely um, wireless ones that are out there. You can uh, just sacrifice about three buffaloes, and that you that will help you to you know pass the time whilst you're sitting in that queue. So that's how the Buffalo Index is looking for today. If you want to, if you find yourself uh, by any chance sitting outside of a liquor store you know trying to while up time then you may want to get yourself a camping chair and you may want to get yourself a water bottle to keep yourself hydrated and be listening to music at the same time see we care at the business bus so that's been it in terms of uh, the buffalo index on the other side of this we get into the main topic the buffalo index on the business bus Mob Justice on the Business Buzz. Welcome back to the Business Buzz. Today we are talking about uh, UIF. We're continuing our conversation uh, from last week. Um, last week we were sort of getting into um, sort of the basic stuff, trying to understand it. But today we want to get, um, you know, deeper into the issue and just getting more voices um, around this particular issue. As we understand from last week, um, the UIF is an unemployment benefit that people get uh, but the TERS or the temporary employee employer relief scheme is something that is separate though it is happening through the UIF system so to shed light just from uh, you know the business community's perspective we are joined by Robert Lee who is the head of the labor stream at Business for South Africa a federation um, that includes organizations like Business Unity SA and the Black Business Council Robert how are you good evening Madiwa and thanks very much for inviting me and good evening to your listeners Okay, so I think just to begin with, uh, we understand you guys are a federation as Business for South Africa. Could you just shed some light around um, perhaps how that came, you know, came to be and, uh, you know, what was the reason for, you know, forming Business for SA? Um, look, it was a, 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 an early response to the the looming COVID crisis. So it was kind of put together in uh, probably March, uh, early to mid-March. Um, and 
there was a, um, a, a, a general view that um, business needs to rally around in as in as unified a way as possible, um, and that's sort of been the underlying theme. And the, and, and the sort of one of the main objectives is to try and work with government and to see in what way business can assist in essentially dealing with the COVID-19 crisis. Um, so it started back then and um, it's kind of multifaceted. I um, lead the what's called the labour work stream, but there are a variety of other work streams. There's an economics work stream. There's a health work stream, which has been instrumental in sourcing um, uh, PPE equipment. There's a, um, a risk work stream. Uh, there's a civil society work stream, which uh, is a link between business and civil society. And there are a variety of others, but um, and it's supported by a project management office. Um, and, uh, you know, there are probably two or 300 people drawn from business who are working pretty much full time on a pro bono basis. Uh, in these various work streams. So that's kind of an overview of um, uh, how it's been working. Now, I want us to switch our attention, you know, now that we understand um, how you guys came about, um, perhaps as a, as a way for business to, you know, um, anticipate some of the issues that have that would come about. And one of the issues that uh, really has come to the fore is uh, businesses being unable to either maintain their staff at uh, their current levels or maintaining um, enough revenues on hand to pay full salaries. And one of the is- one of the things that has come in is this COVID-19 tourist benefit. Could you give us um, just some insight into what this thing is and how employees and employers can actually go about applying for it? Because it certainly does seem as if there's some confusion about um, what it is and how people go about um, this thing, especially the communication side of things. Yes. um, uh, Unfortunately, um the communications around it have been very poor. Um, but uh, at the heart of it is this fund, the U, the Unemployment Insurance Fund. Um, and essentially anybody who's in employment, in formal employment, pays contributions towards that fund. Um, and that fund um, has got general obligations when people lose their jobs or are on maternity leave or are sick, uh, etc. Um, and it's got those general kind of legal obligations. Um, but uh, because of the onset of COVID and the, particularly the lockdown, the lockdown essentially shut um, a vast number of South African businesses in a very short order um, and essentially put employers in a position where they they couldn't operate and they couldn't pay their employees. Um, uh, need developed to um, establish some kind of remedy to help employees um, during the lockdown period. Um, it was originally, it was sort of a, st- the, the idea was put together um, also in the middle of March um, and it, it essentially at that stage focused on three things. Firstly, a company had to be in dis- in distress. Um, and secondly, it only applied where uh, 
an employee had no income at all um, and uh, uh, so, so, so that was the, the, the kind of basic requirement um, through an engagement between um, the, what, what, what we call the social partners at NEDLAC um, we um, have developed that benefit to be a much wider benefit so the challenges with a company in distress is that you had to prove that the company was in distress. That is no longer a requirement. Um, the second uh, dimension of, of expansion was that it no longer applied to people who, um, uh, who had no income at all. It basically applied to anybody who had lost income as a consequence. Um, and you know there are there are companies where people have been able to get part pay but not full pay um, and so on. And then the third dimension is that previously the business had to be completely closed, and um, now it applies uh, if you work in part of a business which has been closed. Uh, so so we broadened that dimension. Um, and the other thing is that ordinary unemployment benefits are usually applied for on an individual basis. So if you are retrenched, you, the employee, make an application to the fund and you claim your amounts. But there are about 11 million people in employment in South Africa. Um, and um, if everybody had to apply to, you know, multiple applications, it would uh, significantly hamper the system. So the it was the scheme was devised that employers would make the applications on behalf of employees, and then the monies would be paid um, from the fund to the employers, who then had to pay the money over to um, employees. The benefit is um, uh, there's a kind of a sliding scale depending on what you earn, um, but it basically ranges between a minimum of three and a half thousand rand a month to uh, I think something like six thousand seven hundred rand a month. Now, um, uh, you know, for for many um, employees uh, in this environment, that could be uh, it's not a lot of money. But it could be um, the difference between uh, surviving and starving. Um, uh, I should also mention that it only, it does only apply to employees, so it doesn't uh, apply to independent contractors. Um, and there's been a push to try and expand the fund to include other people. But under the legal mandate of the fund, there has to be an employment relationship in, in, in place. Um, so that in simple terms was how the fund was established. Um, and uh, just to give you an example of what has been paid out, I think uh, for the month of April, something close to um, 15 billion rand has been paid out um, and, and 3,000, sorry, 3 million employees have benefited out of that. So the rough figure of 11 million employees in the labor market, in the formal labor market. Um, uh, so three million of those people claimed those benefits. And for some businesses, uh, you know, if people uh, are in the hospitality industry, so or the tourism industry, like restaurants or hotels or whatever, 
those businesses have been closed since the lockdown and they're not going to open um, soon. And so for a lot of employees in that situation, it's been uh, not a huge benefit, but a, I think a very important benefit. So that's a kind of an overview of the, of, of, um, the benefit and, and, and how it's been paid out until now. Um, unfortunately, there have been, um, this is administered by the um, Unemployment Insurance Fund, which falls under the Department of Labor. Um, it's a quite a creaky organization. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, I wish I could say it was like uh, opening a new banking app and uh, getting set up on that basis and then you can lodge your forms. I mean, it has been the, the actual practicalities of it have been really difficult for employers. Yeah, because actually uh, I like the fact that you are heading you know, down that road because I think that sounds like it's been uh, – I, I don't know where the, where the actual bottleneck is. Maybe you can shed some light because on the one hand – you have employers saying that the system is confusing or the system isn't going the way that it's meant to go. But at the same time, you also have um, some employees in accusing employers of, uh, you know, cheating them out of this benefit. Well, where do you see um, things in this, uh, you know, on that on that front? Look, it's gone through um, permutations. Um, certainly in the first while, it was... Majorly problematic. So, for give an example, an employer would make a claim, and you've got to itemise who your employees are and what they earn, and then the UI fund would just pay them a lump sum amount, and it wouldn't say what money was supposed to go to what employee. Um, and uh, the other quite big gremlin, and they they fixed that. So now, so then employers were told that they could get benefits. But then um, you had weird situations like somebody, you know, an employer would say apply for 100 employees and uh, they'd get money for 70 employees. And then there wouldn't be an explanation of what, or what happened to the other 30 employees. And, I mean, what's proved very difficult is that essentially the main form of communication is through a call centre which was very understaffed. People were under uh, under trained, um, and the reality is that there are there are literally thousands of unresolved queries out there. Um, a big thing that we've picked up, um, and which uh, we are still struggling with, is that um, you know in South Africa there are a large number of foreign employees. And when I'm talking about foreign employees, I'm not talking about uh, people who are here illegally, um, but they are legal em uh, legally employed. So, for example, in the restaurant industry, you'll find a lot of foreigners, uh, particularly people from Zimbabwe, work in, in, in that. And uh, the, they are fully entitled to the benefits because the employer has been deducting money and paying it over to the fund. Um, for years and years and years. But what's happened in this thing is that the system can't pick up because these people don't have South African ID numbers. It can't pick them up. And there are literally tens of thousands and maybe more foreign employees who haven't been paid. 
um, and they haven't been paid now for uh, you know for two months. Um, so there are there are a lot of ongoing gremlins, but uh, to be fair to um, the Department of Labor and the UI Fund, uh, where blockages have been identified, and, and this is one of the things that we as business are, are trying to do. Um, uh, we've identified the blockages, we've raised it with them, um, and a lot of those blockages have been removed. So, you know, the reality is that, as I said earlier, 15 billion rand has been paid to 3 billion, to 3 million employees, and of that number, uh, uh, that's been funneled through 200,000, about 200,000 uh, employers. So they've had to process 200,000 applications on their IT system over a kind of six-week period. Um, and um, they've done it. You know, so uh, has there been substantial payment? Yes, probably. I, I, I think um, uh, I, I think there's about another 2 billion rand which is unallocated because that's kind of blocked in the system where there are queries and, and so on. So has there been substantial success? Definitely. Um, is it like uh, registering for a new banking app? Um, definitely no. <laughs> um, but, you know, we there are many frustrations that we're all experiencing in um, this COVID-19 world. And ultimately, quite a lot of money, well, it's not quite a lot of money, a very significant amount of money has been made available um, uh, to people who uh, are covered by the scheme. So that's been us with uh, Robert Lee, who is the head of the Labour Workstream at Business for South Africa, which is a federation that includes organizations um, uh, such as Business Unity SA and the Black Business Council. He's just giving us a roundup of uh, uh, the COVID-19 uh, tem- uh, temporary employee-employer um, relief scheme and just uh, giving some thoughts around how it came about and uh, some of the thinking that uh, led to the system being developed who is entitled to it how do people apply and also just highlighting the fact that uh, as much as there has been a lot of confusion um, there have been you know some good things that have come about um, such as the fact that uh, over 15 billion rand has been paid out um, to about 3 million people so far so from that point of view there are positives um, though they there are areas that it could be um, improved on so that's been it uh, on the other side of this we're going to be hearing uh, from uh, the unions um, just around uh, this UIF issue. Keep it locked. This is the Business Buzz. You're tuned in to the Business Buzz. Welcome back to the Business Buzz. We are talking about, you know, understanding the UIF, understanding, uh, you know, some of these issues as we have been over the last um, two weeks and uh, to perhaps give uh, another view, especially uh, from an important uh, stakeholder in the conversation. Uh, we are going to be turning to um, the trade union sector right now. Uh, but before we get into that, remember that you can find us on social media. We are VAUFMO. 
or Voice of Vits. You can also find our other Facebook page, that is Vits Radio Academy. And then on Twitter, we're at VARFM, and then our hashtag is hashtag business buzz. So as we go on, uh, we're joined uh, by, on the line by uh, Pakamele Hlubi Majola, who is um, the national spokesperson for the largest um, uh, trade union in the country, uh, that is the National Union of uh, Metal Workers of South Africa, um, otherwise known as NUMSA. Uh, Pakamile, how are you? I'm fine, thank you, and thank you so much for having for having me. No, how no. are you? Ah, no, no, we're doing all right. Just uh, considering everything that's going on, um, I guess just as a as a starting point. Um, Numsa, we've already said you guys are no no strangers to you know to the media. Lots of people know Numsa, but for those few that don't, um, who are you guys actually representing, and how have you found, um, I guess, the crisis to have gone for your members, um, given all the lockdowns at the moment? Well, just a brief background. NUMSA is the biggest trade union in South Africa, as you correctly put it. We represent approximately 360,000 workers. Um, and initially, when NUMSA was started, we were strictly a metals and engineering um, trade union, which organized workers in that space, in metals and engineering and auto um, space. But since 2013, when NUMSA held a special national congress, in 2013 it took a decision that it was going to extend its scope beyond metals and engineering to other industries along the value chain. So since then we now also represent workers in infrastructure, in transportation, um, in uh, mining as well, and along the value chain which is why you'll hear us talking on uh, SAA, you'll hear us talking on PRASA, you'll hear us talking on Telcom, um, because we've got members pretty much in in a lot of the major sectors across the country. Uh, when we now get to the issue of COVID-19, and in particular how COVID-19 and the lockdown have in- affected workers, it's really been extremely difficult for the working class in South Africa. Um, From the time when government made the announcement around the lockdown, I think you guys actually interviewed us around this, and we had already raised the alarm to say that the measures which government has put in place so far are going to cause problems in the long term on the ground um, and are going to to create a lot of um, distress for workers and their families. And unfortunately, we've been proven correct. Um, one of the measures that government implemented was the UIF Temporary Employment Relief Scheme, which allows companies that are not operating during the lockdown to apply for funding so that they can pay workers' salaries. We've had a myriad of challenges around this, um, particularly because, you know, um, for you to be able to, to, to get the benefit of, of TERS, as a company, you must be registered with UIF. Our experience as a union is that many companies, while they might deduct money for UIF because the law demands that they must, often they're not even registered for UIF. And that has proven to be a huge challenge in the paying out of the temporary employment relief scheme because many workers have actually not received money. In many cases, the payment, the payment has either been delayed or not done at all because of 
uh, issues around a lack of compliance on the side of the employer. Um, there's also been problems just in, 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 in getting the applications done. Um, unfortunately, the South African labor or the South African um, economy, uh, a lot of employers in South Africa are extremely racist. And the manner in which they engage with workers is very backward. They still have this sort of a brutal born uh, mentality when dealing with workers, especially black, black workers. And um, so there's this attitude of, you know, just a complete refusal to cooperate uh, with us as labor um, and apply to the department so that workers can get salaries. So some of them will just simply say, it's a no work, no pay situation, you'll see to finish. And we've had many situations where such decisions were taken by employers. And as a union, we've had to intervene. I guess as a follow-up to that, how have you found, I guess, the dissemination of information um, around this issue? Because um, it definitely sounds, uh, just talking to people, it definitely sounds like there's a lot of confusion just around the tourist benefit that you um, you were talking about just now. And also a lot of people actually just not being aware that their uh, companies are actually not registered, you know, with UIF and things like that. So in terms of disseminating information either to companies or to employees themselves, how have you found that, um, I guess, on the side of uh, the government and also on the side of employers just um, giving their employees you know, an awareness of what's actually happening, what the financial situation is, and where they are in uh, in in those processes. It's been a very difficult time, and I think, uh, as much as you know, on 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 one level, we have picked up weaknesses, certainly on the side of government and the and the UIF. I think if you look at it within the context of this pandemic, um. We have to we have to also acknowledge that the government was not prepared for this, and and you can see that in in this process, because the lockdown was announced on the twenty sixth of March, but the COVID this process of of COVID and TERS only came days or maybe a, a week or so later. Um, where UIF then came out and said, okay, this is something that you can apply to and utilize. And um, and, and in fact, it was a, maybe a week, maybe two weeks in when the Department of Labor came out very strongly and categorically to say employers may not force workers to accept no work, no pay when there is such a benefit which is available. So um, there was a problem certainly in terms of communication. And I think it was the communication more than anything that created a lot of the hiccups around this issue. Um, because what happened was for those companies who've been dodging UI, uh, dodging the Department of Labor, they simply refused to apply because they, they were concerned that uh, perhaps the, the department would, would take steps against them. Um, uh, um, and so we've, we've had to do a lot of work to force companies to comply. Thankfully, uh, now more recently, the Department of Labor has adjusted and amended some of the, the terms now to say that workers can apply directly. And I think if that had been the case from the beginning, it would have changed a lot of things. Because we have always said that it, w- it was wrong in the first place to put the power 
on of this issue in the hands of employers because unfortunately a lot of employers don't comply but if you actually say that workers can apply directly it becomes a different conversation and now that they've done that i think that's that's made a difference and it's starting to help certainly in the backlog of paying out some of these, these salaries um the other issue is that it's very important for unions to be very involved and very engaged in this process and the only way it's really going to work well is if unions work with management side by side with with the department with the uif officials um because the the thing is you you apply today then it gets processed it does take a couple of days or a couple of weeks depending on when you applied um and there's details and there's information sometimes that companies need to give that might be outstanding but if we if all of us can work together in this process it it can help to smooth out some of the bureaucratic issues if the employer on the one hand is doing the work of applying and they keep uh the unions involved and they keep them um uh, uh you know they they update them and we're updated regularly then we can also do the work of assuring employees um so that they don't panic if perhaps the payment isn't made on a particular day when they expect the payment should be made um our problem is what, what we need really at this time is for all stakeholders to work together because it is understandable that many of us have not been in this situation before we are all of us learning as we go and adjusting to the circumstances and it would it, it really requires a lot of transparency and a lot of um uh, cooperation if we're actually going to be able to ensure that this process is 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 handled properly now in addition to you know these uh, no work no pay policies that have been implemented by some companies one of the other I guess results of uh, the, you know the lockdowns and everything that's happened are pay cuts in a di- and these pay cuts are one of the reasons why uh, the tourist benefit was even instituted to begin with was there consultation um with unions such as yours on that front Well consultation on the on the issue of pay cuts is that what you're saying Yes So let me explain that. If you're talking about TERS, right? Um in terms of the the TERS, the the TERS benefit is worked out like this. The salary amount maximum which TERS can pay out is 17,000 per month. If the employee salary is more than that threshold of 17,000 for month per month, let's say they're earning 25,000 or 20,000, then they will they would only receive a percentage of of that amount of the total threshold amount um and so the difference that's where you know for us we would then have to do the work of negotiating with the company to say look could you maybe top up over and above what Tours is offering because you know that your your um uh, employees are earning more than that that is the role of the union to work and and negotiate on behalf of workers um so that that amount can be topped up at least or to come to some kind of agreement um between workers and management about what is to be done about that that top up if the employer can't afford a top up um what else can be done what other measures can be implemented would workers be willing to agree to a pay cut 
But that means you must engage. That's something that must be negotiated. We have a crisis right now at a company called Max Steel. It's a national company, quite a big steel company in South Africa, where our members have taken a decision to go on strike as of today. And the part of the reason that, that sparked the strike is that the company said that because of the lockdown, it's not generating enough revenue. And then it unilaterally took a decision without consulting anyone to cut salaries by 20%. Now, in terms of the Labor Relations Act, you do not have the right as an employer to wake up and just decide that you're going to cut salaries. It doesn't work like that. You have to uh, actually negotiate and, and, and advise workers and come to an agreement where they agree to that type of arrangement. And this is the situation that, that, that has sparked the strike at Max Steel today. So um, it, I, I think more than anything, what... Well, as I said earlier, what is really needed now is a, a, a spirit of cooperation, an attitude of saying, you know, as, as the president has said, that we're all in this together, then employers must behave like we are all in this together. You, you can't dictate and be arrogant in the manner in which you engage employees. Um, workers are not sheep. They're not children. You can actually speak to them and engage them and negotiate with them and come to a common understanding which works for both parties. Um, what, what creates a lot of tension and strife and, and discord is when you don't do that, where your approach is very, very dictatorial. Then you're going to find a situation where workers get angry, and in the case of example, Max Steel, they then resort to the most drastic step, which is to then embark on a strike. Perhaps as a as an ending uh, point to this discussion, as NUMSA, how have you found this crisis to have, um, I guess, evolved some of the conversations around um, labor relations in South Africa? There are a lot of issues um, that existed pre the crisis, and there are a lot of issues that were heightened because of the crisis, as you've um, mentioned whether it's around UIF, whether it's around um, employers taking, you know, unilateral decisions, whether it's um, employees being informed about how certain systems work, you know, things like that. So as NUMSA going forward, um, how do you think or what are some of the focus areas that you guys have found that this crisis um, has highlighted and that you guys will be taking forward to say, um, you know, th these things can't continue as they are right now. We need to address A, B, C, and D. Well, I think um, more importantly, it's becoming more and more apparent that we have to be very, very uh, flexible. We have to be... Um, very responsive, and those are things that we've, we've had to do um, as a union. The limitations of the CCMA, for example, during the lockdown, the CCMA services were pretty much not available. So a lot of decisions employee, uh, employers took knowing full well that we wouldn't have the recourse of the CCMA as an avenue uh, to use in order to deal with certain issues, issues around non-payment, issues around, you know, unilateral change of conditions. Um, and this for us is a really big issue. Going forward, we would require that institutions like CCMA, whose job it is to help us to resolve these kinds of issues, would have to find a way to 
make themselves available to us in order to deal with these types of, of, of situations and to deal with them quickly. Because whilst uh, it might be true that the law says this is wrong and you can't do it, if there's no mechanism in place uh, in terms of something punitive that can force an employer um, to comply in, in the absence of that, workers are left on their own. And this is the crisis that we've experienced during this lockdown. We also want to, to stress that, you know, it is possible to find uh, common ground. Uh, we've experienced this with companies like Hulamin. Hulamin is also another company that's based in KZN. And um, at first we had really bad relations with them after the lockdown because they did not implement proper health and safety measures and we had to intervene. But since then, we've been engaging a lot with management. And at the end of those that process, we, we ended up at the end of that process coming up with a very, very progressive agreement where workers' salaries were guaranteed for the entire period of the lockdown. And this even included those workers who were either declared uh, who were not essential and were sitting at home. Their salaries are guaranteed. Those um, who, for example, was, were, were, would be declared uh, possibly COVID-19 positive and are quarantined, also uh, getting their salaries. Um, and that's because we sat down with management together with shop stewards and employees, and, and we were taken through the finances of the company, where compromises needed to be made. Workers agreed to those compromises, but it was a meaningful process of engagement for us to arrive at that so that we could find a solution which works for everybody. So the short answer here is this. For us to resolve the crisis of COVID-19, we need to work together. We need to recognize that workers' rights are human rights and treat workers with dignity. And if we are going to approach this process with that attitude, we can actually find solutions which are progressive and that assist on both sides that are not going to uh, damage the balance sheet in the long term for the company and are also going to ensure that workers receive their salaries uh, throughout the period. So that was us with uh, Pakamile Shubi Majola, who is the spokesperson for uh, the National Union for Metal Workers of South Africa, just giving us uh, the union's point of view or um, labor labor's point of view just around what's been going on um, with uh, the UIF, together with uh, the relief that the government has given through UIF um, uh, for you know just supplementing people's incomes. She's just highlighting at the end the fact that um, the crisis has really highlighted that certain institutions um, like the CCMA need to make themselves um, available even through some of these crisis times and that going forward it doesn't always need to be a a, a, a back and forth or a battle between um, uh, labor and, uh, you know, the private sector that in some cases where collaboration happens, that it works to the benefit of everybody. So on the other side of this, we come to the end of the show. The, the Business Buzz. And with that, we've come to the end of uh, today's uh, Business Buzz. Uh, thank you so much to our guests um, for sharing their insights with us. Thank you. Um, just unpacking what's going on on the side of employers and also what's just going on on the labor relations side and for the people um, that are trying to help people on social media at least to educate them and know what's going on out there. Uh, I think it's uh, it's a good thing that at least people... Um, 
are concerned about this matter. One of the common threads um, over the last two weeks that we've heard is that um, there's a lot of confusion in and around this issue. But at the same time, um, despite that, people are aware and are giving uh, government the benefit of the doubt just to say that this is not a situation that anyone was prepared for and that for the most part, it says done what it's meant to do um, in terms of uh, the UIF, in terms of uh, the tourist benefits um, that is being given out there but it also then highlights a new form of economics i keep talking about this um that all of these issues just highlight the fact that we do need a new form of compassionate economics at least in the short to medium term as people try to get um back on their feet and a lot of that has to do with just having programs like what's going on right now with the TERS and UIF, but at the same time being able to effectively disseminate the information around it just so that everyone can benefit because it's not one of those things that's meant to be selfish because it's meant to be there to help everybody who isn't able to work or, you know, get that full salary at the moment or for those that don't have their jobs anymore, you know, have something at the end of the month. So it's good to share information and just make sure that everyone is on the same page. So you can let us know what you think about on social media, what have been your experiences, if this is something that you've had to encounter or apply for. Remember that you can find us on Facebook, that's VowFM of Voice of Vits. You can also find our other Facebook page that is Vits Radio Academy. On Twitter, we're at VowFM, and then our hashtag is hashtag business buzz. Remember that you can also... Uh, search for us on iono.fm uh, where you can find our podcasts and links and you can also find all our content on vids.journalism.co.za forward slash business. So that brings us to the end of today's show. Thank you so much to our amazing team. Our technical producer is Kutluan Usrame with our executive producer Gloria Mabuza together with our producer Selindile Musibi. Don't miss the business bus same time, same place next week for more insight into the world of business. Don't turn that down. There's more great content coming up on the Vow FM lineup. So for myself, Mudio Mob, Justice Gavasa, and the rest of the team, it is good afternoon and take care. Mob Justice on the Business Buzz. The Business Buzz Podcast.